0: Welcome to Axios Pro Rata, where we take just 10 minutes to get you smarter on the collision of tech, business, and politics. Presented by Bridge Bank. Be bold. Venture wisely. I'm Dan Permac. On today's show, coronavirus throws U.S. business into chaos, and big tech may face a new antitrust boss. But first, the Bernie economy. So we are less than 24 hours from the start of Super Tuesday when 14 states will make their presidential primary picks. And despite Joe Biden's big win in South Carolina and Pete Buttigieg's campaign suspension, it seems most likely that Bernie Sanders will wake up on Wednesday with a commanding delegate lead. So it is worth exploring exactly how Sanders understands the U.S. economy, given his loud pronouncements about fundamentally changing it. To be clear, I am not talking here about socialism versus capitalism. Instead, this is about traditional monetary theory, which most political candidates subscribe to, versus modern monetary theory, which Sanders tacitly endorses. As Axios Markets editor Dion Roboen writes this morning, traditionalists on both sides of the political aisle usually view government policy kind of like a household budget with a fixed capacity for earning and for spending. Any new spending must be offset by cuts elsewhere or by increased revenue. Otherwise, the deficit becomes too large to handle. But modern monetary theory, or MMT, basically says that the deficit itself is irrelevant because the U.S. government can repay its debts by simply printing more money without necessarily resulting in inflation. Kind of like how our deficits have ballooned under the Trump administration, but inflation has not. Why it matters is that this theory is the answer when people ask Bernie, how are you going to pay for it? Even though Sanders himself hasn't quite figured out how to translate it into normal person English, instead sputtering out a series of think tank numbers. But if the Vermont senator wants to become president, he's going to have to convince Americans that how they think about budgets is backwards. In 15 seconds, we'll dig in with Axios Markets editor Dion Rebowen.
1: But first, this. The Equity Fund Resources Group at Bridgebank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Offering banking services for funds, partners, and their portfolio companies, Bridgebank's financial solutions are designed for the entire innovation ecosystem. Meet with our team at this year's Women's Private Equity Summit in Dana Point, California, March 11th through the 13th. Bridgebank is a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridgebank, be bold, venture wisely.
0: We're joined now by Axios Markets editor, Dion Reboin. Last week, you met with Stephanie Kelton, an economics professor at Stony Brook University, who is also an advisor, an economic advisor to the Sanders campaign. What's the most interesting thing you learned from her vis-a-vis how we should understand a Bernie economy?
2: Yeah, the most interesting thing I learned from Stephanie Kelton in regards to, you know, everyone keeps asking, oh, Bernie, how are you going to pay for your programs? You know, how are you going to pay for it? And the most interesting thing is really that MMT says that the whole idea of the way we think about debts is wrong. So it's kind of like, you know, someone's sitting here telling you, hey, the sky doesn't exist. And you're like, well, how many clouds are there? And they're like, well, there's no sky. The accounting method for MMT is completely different than the way we think about budgets right now. They say it doesn't really matter how much something costs because you shouldn't think about something in terms of cost. You should think about these programs and spending in terms of will they increase inflation. Rethink from everything we've thought about government policy in the past
0: okay so i understand that in theory i understand that but if you have a government program and i'm gonna make this up now and it costs uh, you know a trillion dollars and in theory that would normally add to the deficit but the response from sanders camp is well no you just print a trillion more dollars over you know the currency office and now we have a trillion dollars why wouldn't that add to inflation isn't that what causes inflation when countries print tons more fiat currency
2: this was something she actually spoke directly to. What Kelton's argument is, is that no, country spending money, printing money, and adding to the deficit does not in itself cause inflation. What causes inflation is spending that money on programs that don't create enough economic demand to support it. So she talked about specifically Zimbabwe's hyperinflation, and Germany's, and the Weimar Republic. And she said they had all these spending programs, but they weren't actually creating any demand. What m ts argument is, is that you have to figure out how much fiscal space you have have. And then you have to create programs that stimulate economic demand enough so that there's enough goods created for the money to chase. The idea behind inflation is that it's too much money chasing too few goods. So MMT says it doesn't matter how much money there is as long as you're creating enough goods to support it.
0: Leaving aside that obviously MMT is very different for America's political system on both sides of the aisle in terms of rhetoric. Give me a sense of how economists, mainstream economists view it
2: with disdain, is one way to put it. I was at the uh, the National Association for Business Economists meeting in Washington. That's actually where I met with Kelton. And she gave a presentation. Reception she got was pretty icy. A lot of folks, though, honestly don't hear her out. And it was funny how much at these economics conferences, I'm hearing folks talk about kind of some of the same things that are NMT, you know, whether it's automatic stabilizers, as in the government just passed the program that says, hey, we're going to put this in place. And whenever employment falls to this level or whenever GDP falls to this level, automatically the government will spend more. With Bernie Sanders's program, it's a jobs guarantee so that the government provides a job for every single American at, you know, what he calls a living wage, which we would assume is going to be more than $15 an hour.
0: Yeah, that federal jobs guarantee. There are a bunch of mainstream economists who support that just on the theory of it, correct?
2: Yeah, there are. And like I said, there are lots of others who support things like increasing food stamps or just government spending, right? So while a lot of these economists do kind of hold their nose up at MMT and Dr. Kelton and all that, they are talking about a lot of the same programs. And Dr. Julia Coronado, who is the head of NABE here in New York, says that actually MMT gets it right on a lot of levels, and that's been proven. One thing, the thing that she's worried about, though, is really putting Congress and politicians in charge of this thing that could Allow uh, spending to get out of control.
0: To the you said that this has sort of been proven. Let's look at what we've seen over the past couple of years, particularly in the Trump presidency. You've had a ballooning deficit, and the deficit's gone up in part because we had these massive tax cuts, particularly for corporations. But inflation has stayed down. Is that a proof point for MMT, or are those two things unrelated, from your perspective?
2: No, it's something that Dr. Kelton and lots of other MMT acolytes certainly point to. They say, "Hey, you've been telling us for years and years, all you mainstream economists, that if the deficit gets big, it's going to spike inflation and that's going to, you know, make the US dollar worthless and, and hurt our whole economic model. And she's like, well look, we're at twenty three point four trillion dollars at this point on the US national debt. Inflation is the lowest or you're the lowest it's ever been, clearly your models are wrong. Here's what our models say. And there's a couple things where if he points to and says, here's what mainstream economics has taught us, and this is where it's wrong. There are all sorts of things that where we are right now in the world with central bank stimulus, with fiscal spending the way it is, uh, with all these things that economists never thought we would see because they essentially said they were impossible, the sort of mainstream Keynesian economists and all that. So we are at a point where it's worth stepping back and saying, all these things that you would happen have not happened. Maybe your models aren't correct. And that's sort of the basis of what they're coming with. you.
0: This MMT theory, is that pervasive from your perspective within Bernie's economic advisor circle? In other words, is Kelton an avatar for everybody
2: else? Kelton speaks for Kelton and Bernie speaks for Bernie. The way that I've put this together is that Kelton has obviously advised the Sanders campaign, and you see the fingerprints of MMT all over the proposals. And she's actually written specifically on Bernie's student loan forgiveness plan, as well as his jobs guarantee program.
0: This is maybe a little chicken and an egg, but do you view it as Bernie accepts MMT as theory and therefore proposes all these plans that spend lots of money because he thinks he can, or is it he has all these plans that cost lots of money and he clings on to MMT as a justification for how he can do it. It
2: could be, either, and I think it depends on how much credit you give Bernie Sanders as an economic theorist. Uh, if you think he's just a guy who wants to go out and spend a bunch of money and MMT is a convenient theory, that's entirely feasible and you could make an argument for that. You could also make an argument that you've done the research, dug in the MMT, and that's how he explains these programs. Again, he hasn't said, hey, I am with MMT and this explains everything. He just has said, look at this theory, here are my proposals. And the only way the proposals work, if you go through what he said on his website, if you read through his statements, if you look at what he said during debates, is through this new reimagining of fiscal space and of what the U.S. government can do.
0: Dion Rubo, an editor of Axios Markets, which you can get at signup.axios.com. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dan.
1: My final two, right after this. The Equity Fund Resource Group at Bridge Bank is a central hub for the venture capital and private equity communities. Leveraging nearly two decades of expertise delivering solutions to emerging technology and growth companies, Bridge Bank now offers services for funds, SBICs, and general partners including creative credit solutions, robust treasury management capabilities, and a suite of international banking services. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank, be bold. Venture wisely.
0: Now it's time for my final two. And first up is the growing impact of coronavirus on business operations. Two big U.S. companies, shoemaker Cole Haan and music label Warner Music Group, both reportedly are delaying IPOs that had been expected to launch this week due both to stock market volatility and the simple fact that IPOs are usually pitched in big hotel ballrooms full of investors and fewer and fewer people want to sit in such crowds, let alone hop a plane in order to sit in such crowds. And speaking of big gatherings, the country's largest shipping industry conference yesterday canceled just hours before it was scheduled to begin and Twitter yesterday announced that it's suspending all employee travel that it uses non-essential. That includes a black Twitter event in New York City this week. And yes, my scheduled interview with CEO Jack Dorsey later this month at the South by Southwest event in Texas, from which Twitter has pulled out completely. Finally, Politico this morning reports that U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr has taken on an expanded role in the Justice Department's antitrust probe into big tech effectively sidelining DOJ antitrust boss, Macon Delrahim. Two things to know. First, Delrahim is a Trump employee who led justice's failed fight to stop AT&T from buying Time Warner. Two, Barr was also involved in that case, but as a lawyer for Time Warner, this is before he became attorney general, and that might make it seem like he's the wrong guy for Trump to want in this job, but the counterargument is that by repping big incumbents like Time Warner and Verizon, Barr has a bit of added animus for insurgents like Amazon and Facebook. And we're done. Big thanks for listening. And to my producers Tim Shovers and Naomi Shaven. Have a great National Dr. Seuss Day
1: and we'll be back tomorrow with another Pro Rata podcast.